This is Hope FM. Well, my two special guests today are Nikki Cadbury and Bev Davies. A, 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 lot, a lot of us, particularly through this pandemic, have been having challenges, particularly with, with mental health. And some people would say that, particularly among young people, that some of the challenges with mental health are completely through the roof. Now, Nikki's going to tell us something of her story uh, today, and it's a really positive story, but it has a, it has a pretty traumatic uh, beginning, doesn't it, Nikki? You, you, you were in a bit of a state, but for a very good reason. Tell us, tell us why. Well, in 2014, um, my uncle committed suicide just out of the blue. And, you know, that was a shock to the whole family. And then literally two weeks later, my dad, who couldn't cope with losing his brother, attempted suicide, but ended up sectioned under the Mental Health Act um, and spent a long time in St Anne's for over six months. So because of that, I literally reached out to Steps to Wellbeing because I potentially was that, you know, biological link. And I was full of fear, really. How old were you then, Nikki? What is Steps to Wellbeing? Um, a long time. Um, I, you're initially supposed to have like eight sessions of CBT, but mine got extended to 20 weeks. Sorry, and how, how old were you, you know, when all this happened? This was 2014, so... How old? Um, I Well, I was Young? 44 at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Think so. Yeah, yeah, forty-four. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Uh, so, uh, I mean, obviously, it, it had a really bad effect on, on you. And, and uh, but, but, what did that lead to? Sleepless nights, panic attacks, um, eating disorder. Didn't sleep very well. Um, I didn't drink because I've never touched alcohol or anything like that. Just, yeah, just mainly the panic attacks with the the crippling part of my mental health really because it they could be be 20 a day at times um yeah it, it was really tricky for me because i couldn't live a normal life so does that mean that you couldn't work and do you, um... i didn't work um i i just isolated away from people i mean i did go to church i did go every sunday because i was brought up catholic so i went to the catholic church um you know it was it was it was debilitating i i couldn't go out I couldn't go food shopping I couldn't go on holiday it was my life was really limited of what I could and couldn't do Mm. I couldn't go out to a restaurant I couldn't get on a bus I couldn't fly out the country so normal life effectively came to an end for you completely I couldn't even walk to a local shop people who were around you you know uh, outside of your family and people who were close to you did did they know what was going on no did did you feel able able to tell them no, I, I'm a very good actress and I've got a terrible sense of humour so I could hide how I was feeling with comedy. Mm. So that was my escapism, mm. was to go into this other kind of world, I guess. Now, you mentioned that you, you, you first sought help in Steps to Wellbeing. For yeah. people who are completely you know, uh, uninitiated, what is Steps to Wellbeing? Well, you can self-refer yourself to Steps to Wellbeing. Is it um, an NHS service? Yeah, it's an NHS service. Um, or your doctor can refer you. Um, I got referred because I'd been to the doctors numerous times and, you know, spoke about my mental health and I was always just kind of panned off with every medication you could think of, which wasn't the answer for me. I didn't want any kind of antidepressants or that kind of stuff, so... We got a new GP in our surgery, a female one, and she actually said to me, would you like to talk to somebody? It was the first time 
that actually somebody said, would you like to talk to somebody? And I'd not long had a baby at that time. And I said, yeah, I would. And that's all I ever wanted was somebody to say, do you want, you know, can we refer you to somebody to actually talk to? And was that where you met Bev? Yeah, that's when I met Bev at Steps to Wellbeing. Well, Bev, you were working at Steps to Wellbeing, so there's probably no one better place to tell us a wee bit more about that service. What, what, what were you doing then? Yes, um, I was a cognitive behavioural therapist there, so uh, Steps to Wellbeing is part of um, what we call IAPT, which is um, Improving Access to Psychological Therapies which is NHS-driven. Um, so therapists get the training within the NHS, they go to university, um, and then we see a certain amount of clients per week. So we, we um, work from GP surgeries, hospitals, different kind of community centres, um, and I happen to be working in a, a local GP surgery that Nikki was referred to. And can, so. you, can you remember the first time that you met her? Yes, yes, I did actually. Yes, um, she was as as Nikki had said. She was very, um, very anxious. Um, so I think the first session was just kind of trying to get to know each other really, and and just try to yeah. alleviate that anxiety. And I suppose for you, Nikki, like trust would have been a very, very important thing because you, you said earlier you hadn't been able to share. No, I hadn't. Um, trust is a big thing, of course. Um, I kind of went in there blurted out a load of stuff and then I don't ask me how but I got on a plane and left the country literally three days later because of the fear that I'd kind of opened up to somebody when I haven't hadn't opened up to anybody Mm. before so what was it that helped you to return to the UK (laughs) but but, but also to say you know what we don't mind seeing that Bev again she texted me when I was on in Tenerife and just to say that my appointment had been cancelled by my husband and, you know, how was I? And I thought somebody actually cared. So I was like, because I, in my mind, I wasn't going back. I really wasn't going back. That was it. I was done. One session, it was over. And what, was the, what, were, what were the big barriers for you? I mean, obviously you mentioned fear, but what was behind that fear? What were you frightened of? Trusting someone was one of my fears. And then just how to let it out in the universe, so to speak, I was frightened that everybody would know. And even though nobody could know, but it just felt like everyone would know. And it, I just got really scared that, oh, my God, you know, it's all out there and, like, yeah, it was really fearful for me. Isn't it a funny thing, uh, Bev, how we think that we are the only one sometimes uh, struggling mm-hmm. uh, with, with things? That, you must come across that quite a lot. I mean, obviously you were with the NHS now, you know, you're, you're, you're practising privately, but is the fear, is that a massive reason why people don't seek help? Definitely, definitely. It takes so much courage to book an appointment to go and see somebody. I've had so many people that um, had nearly cancelled beforehand or, like Nikki said, that they come for the first time and it just feels too huge. Um, So they might have a bit of delay before coming back. Um, So, yeah, I I always kind of try to um, say to clients as they walk through the door now, actually, it's normal to feel anxious. And actually, you've taken a really big step. It's taken a lot of courage to come, which I really respect that. So let's just kind of 
get to know each other a little bit and then about what I do, what your needs are, and we kind of go from there. But, yeah, totally normal to feel anxious. So anybody listening to us right now who perhaps where Nikki uh, was, you know, your your word is stick at it, you know, yeah. de- develop the relationship with with your therapist. Definitely. I think one of the, the hardest steps is to actually make that appointment and turn up that appointment. And I think once you've turned up and you've made that appointment, it's not easy from there, as Nikki would tell you. Therapy is tough. Um, and you have the peaks and troughs with it. Some, you know, And I say to clients, actually, that the sessions that you may feel that you don't feel up to coming to because you're feeling so bad, they're the sessions that you're going to get the most benefit from. Now, Nikki, you did return. Uh, I did, and you, yeah. And you, you, plucked up, you plucked up the courage. Was, was there anything that particularly helped you to do that? Um, I needed to because I wanted to change. I wanted to live. I didn't want you to exist. You wanted your life back. Yeah, I did, yeah, I really did. I wanted to experience pure happiness, really, and it was something that I hadn't had for a long, long time, and I wanted to start seeing the world, and, yeah. And how was it impacting? I mean, obviously you mentioned your husband there in, yeah. in passing. How was it impacting your relationship with him and, and your, your relationship with other folk in the family? Well, my dad, obviously, he he could always relate because my dad always had suffered. And unfortunately, I come from a long line of family members that do have anxiety, um, just genetically, I think. And I was always going to be vulnerable to that, regardless of my upbringing. Um, you know, I was always going to have that vulnerability. So I was always aware of that from a very young age. But it... it you know, it was so tricky for me to kind of face everything. Well, I mean, Bevis just said that it, that sometimes it can be very difficult because I suppose you're helping people, Bev, to face their fears and to address perhaps some of the underlying issues. But mm. do you think that often people don't know what those underlying issues are when they first come? Definitely. I think with um, what I found over, over time is that um, a lot of people that have had traumatic pass come with presenting with panic attacks so it kind of panic attacks feel like they come out of the blue um, a lot of people do suffer with them I'm not saying that's always related to, to trauma um, not at all but a lot of times people come because they they are struggling like Nikki said on a day-to-day basis um, engaging in life and then we kind of as we kind of assess and we get to know each other we kind of identify trauma that's maybe been recently triggered but a trauma that they kind of maybe just brushed under the carpet kind of thinking well that's done um but it kind of stays with them so yeah definitely uh, you know some people know exactly what they want to gain out of therapy when they walk through the door um and other people just need someone to talk to and they don't know what it is or why they're feeling that way but they just need that help to kind of find that out now, Nikki, you, you you had been over twenty years with, with you know with these attacks yeah. and so on. When did things begin to change for you? Um, they changed halfway through therapy. I could see a difference in myself. I was becoming more confident. I could go out walking on my own. I could go to a shop and buy things on my own, and that and just walking my children to school. Um, and yeah, I could see the small changes there. So I was growing in confidence. But, you know, when there is a rise, sometimes there's a fall. And 
as you know the year went on with me doing the therapy I could see some of my old ways slipping back in um mainly because of like not self-harming as such but I was any time things were presented, I was going to a tattoo shop to get tattooed to alleviate the pain of what I was feeling because I couldn't express it vocally properly. So I was going and doing that kind of stuff. Although I like tattoos, but, you know... Well, a lot of people do these days. Yeah, yeah, but they were kind of my therapy as well. You know, yeah. it was like if I was feeling painful inside, I would go and get yeah. a piece done and then that would take that pain away. Mm initially but i suppose that's common bev you know for people to to replace you know but they it could be good at something but they cover up pain mm. by perhaps being good at something or a, or a habit forming and that sort of thing yes yes which is what we call it with cognitive behavior therapy it's kind of those safety behaviors so as nikki was saying initially you get that kind of relief so it's a behavior you do to try to make yourself feel better emotionally um but in the long term that pain is still there yeah. So that's why the ongoing therapy is needed to to kind of work through that emotional pain as well. Well, let's have our first piece of music. Now, I think mm-hmm. this piece of music you've chosen. Uh, it is, Be- yes. And it's, it's uh, Savage Garden. Introduce us. Tell us about this song, Affirmation. Affirmation. Um, I love the title. Um, Savage Garden have always been kind of big within the family, you know, with my, my husband and my two daughters. Um, Affirmation is a special song that the four of us have always kind of loved. Um just the words, I believe. Um, it's about grass not being green on the other side. It's about family. It's about believing in each other. Um, and it's a feel-good song, I think. It, it just encapsulates so much of my kind of family values. So. This is Hope FM. Well, that's uh, Affirmation Savage Garden. Nikki and Bev are my very special guests today and we're talking about the impact of, of mental health but also how you can get out of, of, of things that really for many of us affect us over many, many, many years and uh, and of course uh, Nikki's been very honest by saying that, that she was frightened, you were frightened of, of rejection and so on. Now in a, quite an amazing sort of way that your business um, which is all about making cakes uh, came out of your sessions with Bev. Yep. Uh, tell us a wee bit about, about how that happened. I, well, one of the sessions that we were talking, when I was talking with Bev, and she, she said to me, what are you good at? And I said, nothing. You know, typical negative kind of talk. And she said, there has to be something. I said, I can make a decent sponge cake. So, so Bev, you said, mm-hmm. well... I like sponge cake. <laughs> no, she didn't actually. Not at that time. No, you didn't like cake I didn't, at that no, time. No, she didn't. And um, I kind of, I knew that when I was in an emotion that I didn't quite understand, I would bake a cake and take it to a friend and how that made me feel inside because obviously they enjoyed the cake and they were saying, oh, you know, it was lovely. I wanted to keep feeling like that. But I didn't know at the time when I was in therapy that I would end up making cakes because I'm not trained. I could just do a classic Victoria sandwich cake. Um, and I've, I've seen some of your cakes and the last thing I would say is they're definitely not basic. Well, no, I'm, I'm quite quirky and in your face, I think, kind of person. So I could never be quite plain. Um, so I just... Yeah, I just started baking cakes because I actually wanted to make something of myself, but I knew that... If I went into this, I always wanted to give back to mental health or the things I'm passionate about. And that was my main purpose. It wasn't about being rich with 
money because that doesn't tick any of my boxes. And I just knew that I wanted to help the community with my cakes by donating free or, you know, raffling stuff and donating the money. And the first place that I actually donated was Restored Charity, which is an eating disorder charity, which is now being um, they're part of Mind, Dorset Mind. Um, because I, when I was in therapy with Bev, I went to Restored because I had an eating disorder. That was how I dealt with my anxieties, um, like that self kind of punishment kind of thing. Um, that that was the first place that I donated to, um, and then obviously I just continued to keep raising awareness with the mental health with for Dorset Mind, like and dementia and. You know, I just felt passionate towards those things because it was important to me. So when you, when you asked um, Bev Nikki what she was good at, what, what was behind your question? It was to find something that she could start believing in herself and throughout the sessions, different things that she was doing, you could tell that she had um, a very creative nature. She was good at drawing, she was good at writing. So I thought if I could kind of get her to bring out that creative side and do something with it as well as working through um, different things that we were working through in therapy, it's also good to be building on what you've got and what you're good at so as it was well. Like, it was like two, two tracks, wasn't it? One was uh, Nikki wasn't hiding behind her cakes. She was actually, you're addressing the issues mm. that, that, that had affected you over many years, but actually you were really good at making cakes and suddenly discovered that I know that people began to say, that's a beautiful cake. Uh, uh, could you make me one for whatever? Yeah. <laughs> that happened, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It just literally, I just made this, uh, my first cake and I just put it, you know, just put it on my normal Facebook page and a lady called Kathy bought it. It was the first cake. And I thought, somebody actually likes one of my cakes and that feeling was just so overwhelming for me because my cakes are my go-to therapy I go you know I do it every day so it's like I'm going to therapy every day but in a really positive way and I can be as creative creative as I want and any kind of emotion that I'm feeling it can I create it within the cake so it doesn't build up and cause anxiety or panic attacks or any of that kind of stuff. I'm not saying I'm free of all that stuff because I'm not, but I can live with it and deal with it on a day-to-day basis rather than it building and building. Well, I suppose what you're also doing is you're underlying positives, aren't you? And you're beginning to believe in yourself, you know, and and clearly the creativity that you have in making those cakes is evident, not just for you, but for the people that you make the cakes for. Yeah, it's so rewarding when you get, you know, positive feedback, which, touch wood, I haven't had any negative yet. I know that may come because that's life. I give you one. You forgot to bring me a cake. But <laughs> she I mean, did. I mean, fans I, are coming to a radio interview and no cake. I, I, I think she's going to pop down again. And, I, and will make, I will make you one, no, definitely. Listen, listen, as you... If you I don't need cake, you know, in the sense that I need to be on the... It's bad for your health. My my son's getting married, you know, so I have to watch the waistline. Oh, don't we all? (laughs) No, I know. Bev, I know that, that, you know, obviously we've been through a pandemic, we're still Mm -hmm. coming out of it, we've got Ukraine on our television sets. Uh, Mental health challenges are through the roof, the Mm -hmm. the professionals are telling us. Are you finding that professionally? I mean, I think that Nikki was able to access help fairly easily yeah but of course now that's not so easy is it 
No, and I suppose um, some therapists are kind of seeing people face-to-face, some therapists are seeing people online. Um, I don't know what's happening in the NHS at the moment because I work privately, so I get a lot of referrals through um, private healthcare insurances. So, um, But yes, in, it, there's increased referrals um, privately, so there's definitely going to be increased referrals through the NHS as well. So... Now, one of the th- one of the ways that you have combated this, of course, is you become a, become an author, uh, and I'm holding mm-hmm. your your book, which mm-hmm. has got an amazing title. Actually, I know Nikki, you're promoting this book and yeah, raising, raising raising funds to put it in the hands of of children and yeah. young people. So the book's called Mel and Pip, uh, and the Magic Snow Globe. Mm-hmm. Now, tell us something about why the title. Um, it's. I wanted to, although I work with adults, I wanted to um, write a book that um, was more of a preventative um, book for children, so as, as a positive spin on mental health. So I wanted a, a, to write a, a book that was kind of fun for children to read, that they didn't actually realise that they were learning CBT. So instead of them kind of being bored or it's another piece of homework, I wanted to kind of do it in a fun way, so... Now, Pip's a, a little cat, isn't it? Yes, Pip's a little ginger cat. So mm. Mel was, because Mel's nine years old, because I wanted to make kind of a couple of main characters, um, I was going to be called either Beverly or Melanie when I was younger. And I always wish my mum had called me Melanie. So Mel is Hanson her Mel. name. Mel's the name. Um, I love cats. Um, ginger cat, love a ginger cat. Um, and I just wanted to, the, the cat kind of... Um, Pip says different kind of rhymes. Um, I wanted something different than an abracadabra. Um, and the snow globe was a way of kind of getting them magically to different places to have those different adventures. So now, You said this is a preventative book. Mm-hmm. So is it for all children? All children, yes. Um, I would say my youngest reader has been three or four and the oldest... Um, well, Nikki says kind of 100. So it's, I think adults can learn from it as well. It's, it's a fun book, but it's more if people have got anxiety, it's, it's helpful. Um, but Mel kind of tells the story. She talks to her readers to engage them throughout. Pip is her curious cat. Um, so they just... So she's, she's sharing her life and her anxieties and her yes. the things that make her happy as yes, well. Yes, yes. And Pip helps to do that. Um, and it's to kind of engage people in, in stories and then kind of give a few techniques. But rather than calling them techniques, they're called games in the book. So, again, it's just to make it more fun. Fantastic. So how do people get a hold of this book? Then get hold of the book on Amazon. Um, so, yes, so, so, so it's, it's self-published. Um, it went on sale middle of January on Amazon. Um, so, yeah, selling just, well? just search. Yep, selling well. Um, also, that with through Nick, Nikki's fundraising, um, it's in a lot of schools. Yeah, yeah because you were passionate about wanting to see the book in the hands of children, didn't you? Yeah, and I also wanted to thank Bev, really, because if it wasn't for her sticking by me, I wouldn't be where I am today, and I'm very much aware of that. And I always wanted an opportunity where I could help her, and this felt right for me, and obviously Bev sent me a book that um i read it and then i well i initially ordered one because i wanted it there and then and um i just thought yeah i'm gonna help where i can with this because of my platform with the cakes and people do tend to get behind what i'm raising money for so it just felt right to do that 
Excellent. So, uh, so quite and by this way, so it's Mel and Pip and the Magic Snow Globe. That's the title uh, of the book, Exploring Thoughts and Feelings. And uh, and I guess the, the challenge is to get this book into the hands of as many children as possible. Yes, yes, it is. Fantastic. Well, thank you both for being uh, my my guest today. You'll have to come back and have a have a have a longer session with me. Yes. Well, we'll maybe have a kick testing session. Yes, yeah, you can do that in, in another program. Yeah, of course. Um, but before we go now, obviously we haven't talked about faith, but you did mention that for a yeah. long time you you went to Roman Catholic Church, yep. and, and of course you were you also were going to St Mary's Longfleet. Longfleet, yeah. This song that you've chosen is a very special song, isn't it? No yeah. longer slaves. Tell us tell us about it. Well, I just love the song because I was a slave to fear because I was bound shackled whatever you know to the fear of the panic attacks the anxieties my traumas and it was played at Longfleet St Mary's and it just clicked I thought yeah I don't want to be a slave to fear anymore I have to leave that behind and then they had an amazing speaker there called Christina Collins at the time and I went up and she prayed for me and I just something changed as well within me and from that moment I've always loved that song so I play it daily um well we'll, yeah. play, it, we'll play it in 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 just a moment but before we do that if people want to check out your cakes uh <laughs> how, how do they do that have you got a website um, no I don't have a website I'm on Facebook um so the, so do and they, Instagram so do they put rustic and retro cakery cake? yeah yeah and that'll take them to the Facebook yeah. page yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, also, if you go to the Hope FM website, you'll, there's a, there's something of your story. Uh, oh, thank you. On the ninety point one our Facebook page, and also there's a picture of one of your cakes as well, oh. and there's also mm. a review of one of your of of your book as well. So, uh, you. so you can check out. Do you have a website, Bev? I don't have a website, but I'm on Facebook as well and on Instagram. So. And did they just put Bev Davies? Um, Mel and Pip books Mel and Pip books so there you are Mel and yes. Pip books are uh, the rustic retro cakery yeah um, can I just quickly say one thing on June the 7th we're in um, Rossmore Library doing an event because Bev's book has actually been catalogued in the library now which is absolutely amazing um, so Bev and myself will be there on June the 7th, Rossmore Library. Fantastic. And, and no doubt you'll be back on Hope FM before too long. You can tell us yes, how it all went. So that's yes. Rossmore Library, June, June 7th? Yeah, thank uh, you. Okay, and here here is that song, No Longer a Slave. Thank you. This is Hope, Hope FM. FM.